0: You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Danny Wade. Joined as always by my co-host, David Droegemeier, and this episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how much you watch the season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels, and because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Before we get started, we are two writers who got to start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and we've been covering the Chargers now for over five seasons, doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly, and this is our third season as the host of the Lockdown Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Alright guys, well we're still kind of on our mixed up schedule because of the bye week, but today we're going to be talking about something that I thought was very interesting, and it was Daniel Popper coming out with the differences between this Chargers offense and defense in 2020 and what we saw from them last season. So we'll get into blitzing, the dime package, how much the Chargers are running play action, and much more in the second and third segments. But we're going to start the show by talking about Anthony Lynn, a report coming out about him potentially getting more time as the Chargers head coach. There was nothing totally convincing about him staying for a long time, but we'll also just touch on the fact, too, that one NFL reporter thought it might make sense for the Chargers to trade Denzel Perryman. So let's go ahead and get into it. On Tuesday, some reports came out that said that Anthony Lynn could get a little bit more time as the Chargers head coach. This is Daniel Wade joined by David Drogemeyer with your Locked On Chargers lead story. In an article about coaching rumors around the NFL, ESPN's Jeremy Fowler and Dan Graziano opened up about Anthony Lynn potentially being on the hot seat for the Chargers. And what they said is that the Chargers, as an organization, love Lynn, and he also hasn't lost the locker room yet. So they think that Lynn will get more time for now, which was the sentiment around all the GMs and executives that they talked to throughout the league. And David, this is something that has gotten brought up many times with Anthony Lynn, especially after the 5-11 and season. Last season, the 1-4 and start to this year, he did obviously have a 12-4 record in 2018 where the Chargers ended up winning a playoff game, but it seems like that's not gaining him much right now. But we do know the Chargers love him, but... In the last 21 games, the Chargers are 6-15. and And now, the Chargers seem to be okay with Lynn for the moment, but for now isn't exactly very promising.
1: No, it is not promising for Anthony Lynn, and it shouldn't be. I think when you look at what he has done so far as the Chargers head coach, he's 27-26, and 26, and a little bit more recently, he has had a lot of trouble with the one-score games. In the past two years, Anthony Lynn is 3-13 and in one-score games as the Chargers head coach. And in the NFL, you're going to see a lot of one-score games. It is something that you're going to have to get done in the NFL if you want to be a successful head coach, and the Chargers simply have not done a good job of that as of late. Although, for Anthony Lynn, one thing that is definitely going to work in his favor is that Justin Herbert was thrust into the starting role and he has performed very, very well. And that is something that is going to look good on Anthony Lynn and Pep Hamilton and his staff. And Justin Herbert in his past has had a lot of turnover at the head coach and the offensive coordinator position. So some continuity at those positions for a young quarterback Could only do good things, so hopefully the Chargers can right the ship with COVID and all the other distractions going on. I think it is a prudent decision
0: to give Anthony Lynn a little bit more time to turn things around. I think all of this is basically guaranteeing is that Anthony Lynn will be the head coach for the Chargers for the remainder of the 2020 season. He's only under contract for one more year through 2021, but you do have to balance. Are you going to take away the people responsible for getting such an electric start to Justin Herbert's career so far? So I think the Chargers will have to think long and hard about that but right now you have to win games in this league you're coming off of two weeks where you've blown consecutive 17 point leads and i'm not advocating for anthony lynn to be fired on the spot but when things like that happen that's when coaches tend to get relieved of their duty. So if he has a strong finish to the Chargers season and they can get back in playoff contention, I think he will be safe for another season, especially with Justin Herber and how many injuries that have occurred for the Chargers this year. But another little piece of info that came out from Jeremy Fowler on Tuesday was that the Steelers, after losing linebacker Devin Bush, Could potentially look at the Chargers and see if Denzel Perryman, a linebacker for the Chargers, who's been in more of a reserve role so far this season, could be a target for them. So, David, do you think that trade makes sense
1: yeah, I think it does make a little bit of sense for the Chargers. Although Denzel Pearman hasn't been a starter, like you mentioned, I think he has actually looked a lot better in a rotational role. I think he's dealt with quite a few injuries so far in his career, especially the last couple of years. And I think this rotation has helped him be a more productive player. And also, you know, with the Chargers looking to the future at the linebacker position, they know that Denzel Paraman is not going to figure into the future plans. That's going to be Kenneth Murray and Drew Tranquil. So I think if the Chargers feel like they get acceptable value for Denzel Perriman, it does make some sense for them to try to get something out of Denzel Perriman before letting him walk in free agency and potentially
0: getting nothing. Right. And the Chargers aren't necessarily contenders at this moment. I mean, they are not. At this point, not in the playoff picture and things can change quickly, especially with their soft schedule. But right now, you know, he's not the future. Like you said, you could get some compensation for him. His trade value right now is probably pretty high, comparatively speaking, just because of how well he's played compared to the last couple of seasons so I think the Chargers would have to take a long look at it it is nice to see him finally succeeding after struggling with injuries a lot but the Steelers are in the playoff race they are firmly in playoff position right now and for them needing a linebacker it would probably be more important to them than the Chargers who could be even be getting Drew Tranquil back soon here so I think it would make some sense And I think the Chargers looking towards the future looking to surround Justin Herbert with the best possible team would have to do their due diligence. But we do have two more segments to get into because we're going to be getting into the scheme changes for the Chargers offensively and defensively so far. And we're going to kick it off with the offense coming up right after this. So on today's show, I wanted to get into some of the scheme changes for the Chargers. And I couldn't have done it without Daniel Popper from The Athletic, who has come out with five big trends for the Chargers offensively and defensively that have changed from prior years and we're going to start with the offensive side of the ball and we knew that the offense was going to look different with justin herbert a more mobile quarterback out there as opposed to philip rivers where he was just dropping back in the shotgun on pretty much every play and the numbers really pan out in that direction david and we'll start with the play action rate in 2019 with rivers it was 20.7 percent. now with justin herbert it's 32.3 and to put that into more perspective, Rivers ranked 27th out of all qualified quarterbacks, while Herbert ranks 11th this season. So that is a pretty big difference, David. And it's something we really wanted to see, not only to protect Justin Herbert, but also to get him on the move and create really easy reads for him, rolling out, using the play action, getting the linebackers to come up. So the Chargers said they were going to do this, and this is one of the things that they followed through with. Absolutely, they did. And I think that you look at
1: the mobility at the quarterback position right now as a big indicator as to why they're doing so much play action. I mean, you said it before. Phillip Rivers, we all know he just cannot move around that well. I mean, in the latter stages of his career, he cannot move that well. Even
0: when he was in uh, the beginning stages of his career. He's never been the most fleet of foot, that is for sure. No, exactly. (laughs) But he had like 12 rushing touchdowns one year at NC State, so it's all very confusing.
1: That doesn't make any sense at all, and I can't believe that
0: uh, that actually
1: is a stat that is out there. But yeah, I mean, you look at Justin Herbert, this is the the kid right here that Anthony Lynn and the Chargers offensive staff want running this offense because he can get out there and move, he can extend the play, and he, he can also run the football as well, which makes the play action that much more effective. You're not only having to worry about the running backs running the ball, but the quarterback can legitimately run the football as well and i think they need to do a little bit more running uh with Justin Herbert to help make that play action be a little bit more effective going forward but it has been a weapon the chargers have used so far daniel and it definitely has been effective
0: and i absolutely expect it to continue i mean when you have a quarterback like this you want to get them out in the move especially with how accurate he is out of the pocket as well and i think for the Chargers the play action hasn't necessarily turned into big chunk plays at least average wise they're not one of the better as teams as far as yards per play off of play action but when the running game is more effective that'll make that play more effective now I wouldn't and I wouldn't be surprised going forward if we see Justin Herbert run the ball a little bit more I think this coaching staff is a little bit wary right now of using him in that way but To get the true Justin Herbert experience, obviously you want the arm, and that's where he's going to make his money, but in the red zone, in short-yardage situations, you have to use that part of his game, because it is something that separates him from other guys. Being that size, 6'6", 240, we talked about it on yesterday's show, we want to see more quarterback sneaks. Like To have a guy that size, who's as quick as he is, I mean, it just doesn't make sense not to use him in that capacity more, as long as you can teach him to slide a little bit better, because Obviously, you don't want him taking huge shots, but I do think there's some areas hey, that you can get exposed. Go watch Kyler Murray on Monday night do
1: his sliding. That is how you do it. I mean, we all know Kyler Murray is a former baseball
0: player, but his slides are perfect. Yeah, shout out to Craig. I think you pointed that out on Facebook as well. I mean, he knows how to do it. Justin <laughs> Herbert used to be a baseball player. There's no excuses. But let's get into the next trend here, which is more snaps under center, which Rivers liked to be in the shotgun. He didn't have to run back. And a lot of times, you know, it took him so long to get back there. When he was running play action, I mean, there were so many times where you would just see him getting harassed before, I mean, the handoff is even faked. But I just love the way that Justin Herbert, having not done this, you know, a lot in college or really at all ever, has really only had one kind of muffed snap. Between him and Dan Feeney, it hasn't been a big issue. And when he does do it, especially when he's handing the ball off from under center or faking a handoff, especially, I mean, he really sells it. It always looks pretty good. And I'm not really surprised by this number, but it is another thing that's definitely directly correlating to Justin Herbert as opposed to Phillip Rivers.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's really funny that you brought up the play-action while under center because whenever Phillip Rivers did it, especially the last, I mean, probably two or three seasons, you didn't get faked out at all. I mean, yeah. you, there's no, there was no deception in that whatsoever. You knew it was a play-action. The defense knew it was a play-action, and that's why it wasn't that effective. But with Justin Herbert, man, he really sells it. Like, he really puts that ball in, in the running back's stomach and pulls it out. Runs out, and it, you know, there's just that level of deception there. That's, that's something that's kind of been missing while under center. And also, I think it just gives you a lot more options while going under center. You can do so many different plays, you can get a lot more creative instead of always being in the shotgun. For Philip Rivers, you're in the shotgun because you know he can't move around that well, and it will allow him to dissect. I think it just allows your offense to be more multiple and have a lot more options while going under center with Justin Herbert.
0: Yeah, I do think it makes it less predictable because usually if you're in the shotgun, you're throwing the football. And I mean, we're not in the Mike McCoy, you know, handoffs from the shotgun offense anymore. or Even Ken Wizenhunt to some extent. But I mean, it just makes a lot of sense for Justin Herbert to be doing that because unlike Philip Rivers, he can get back there quickly. He can turn it into a rollout going from under center. And it's not as much of an issue with guys already being in his face. And obviously the offensive line. Hasn't been much better. But Daniel Popper also noted on here that the Chargers have run a lot more pistol plays. So that is just another note of the Chargers taking from the Oregon offense of years past and giving him something that he's familiar with. So the Chargers only ran a Well, And the Ravens offense, too. I mean, they right. said
1: that they wanted to use a lot of the, Ra- the Ravens philosophy, a lot of Greg Roman's offense, and they ran out of the pistol a lot. So I know that's something that's a direct derivative of that. Ravens offense
0: yeah of course Greg Roman does run that a lot It helps to have an athletic quarterback when you're going there but I mean the Chargers have done it the fifth most in the NFL through six weeks according to Popper and I do not think that is anything we're going to see less of going forward either it's definitely something that Justin Herbert is familiar with and I think the Chargers will keep it going but let's look at the next trend here and that is more multiple tight end sets so Multiple tight end formation rate in 2019 for the charge was 13%, and the multiple tight end formation rate for the charge in 2020 is 23%, and I think this has to do with a lot of different things, but the one thing it doesn't really have to do with, as Popper mentions in here, is the talent, David, because it's still the same guys for the most part. You know, We've seen little blips of Donald Parham, and obviously we'd like to see a little bit more just because he is such a mismatch offensively with his size but it's still the same guys you're still having Virgil Green go out there a lot you're still having Hunter Henry go out there a lot so this is something that I thought we might see more of but it is a pretty drastic change from last year
1: yeah they also said there's a lot of 12 personnel which it means one running back two tight ends they were running that a lot and you know, with the tight ends that they did decide to go out there with, it was pretty clear what the roles were or what their jobs were going to be. I mean you see Virgil Green. Virgil Green honestly is pretty much just an offensive lineman or an extra blocker. He's not really a pass catching credit. I mean, they did have one really they nice play that they nice manufactured screenplay. for him. Yeah. yeah, the nice screenplay, that was a really great play. And he looked pretty good as a ball carrier. Especially you just don't because see
0: Virgil Green, nobody expects him to be a receiver, so when the screenplay is set up for him uh, that is a little bit of deception. And those right, that right there,
1: that's the play calling that John Kegley has been clamoring for. That that type of stuff right there. Keeping things mixed up and keeping you on your toes, keeping you guessing. But, yes, there have been very defined roles. And also, you see it because you want more protection for Justin Herbert. You're going to have an extra blocker, a guy you trust, to try to give him a little bit more time to let him go. Look down the field and make decisions. And then, of course, you got Hunter Henry as the primary pass catcher. And we've been able to see Hunter Henry stay healthy this year, which has been great. Knock on wood, that continues. We knew that we were going to see a big year from him, and that connection looks really good. So I do not think we are going to see any less 12 personnel
0: going forward. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw more of it. I mean, they're still less than league average. They're at 16%, which is way up from 8% which is how much they ran last season, but I think it does a lot of things for them, and I think especially protection-wise, like you're talking about, we've seen a couple of max protect looks out of 12 personnel already this season, and that's another thing the Ravens run a lot of. I think they were like the only team last season to be running three tight end sets, but a lot of the league is going to 11 personnel, just the one tight end, three wide receivers run running back, but the Chargers are getting some bigger bodies on the field this year. And I think it has worked out for them, especially on a couple of those deep throws that Justin Herbert's been able to make and even a couple that they've missed on. They're usually having that formation out there, sending out only three guys into the pass routes and trying to find that deep shot. So I do think it is something we'll continue to see going forward. And hopefully, I think we all hope to see Donald Parham in that formation a little bit more but please yeah I think the other thing that was a little surprising out of that and I think another way that it makes it a little bit deceptive is that out of 12 personnel with the two tight ends on the line of scrimmage the Chargers actually still throw 40% out of that so it's not just a dead giveaway that you're going to run the football just because you have two tight ends on the field they've mixed it up a good amount with that but that is going to do it for the offensive changes and there's some big defensive changes changes that I'm really looking forward to talking about because it's things we talked about before the season like more third down blitzing or just more blitzing in general but we'll talk specifically about the third down blitzing and then also there was all this talk about dime linebackers and things like that in the off season so far we haven't even seen the dime package so we're going to get into all of those defensive changes coming up right after this but first I need to tell you guys about the best protein bar on the planet and of course I'm talking about Built Bar, which is now even more delicious than it has been because this is Built Bar 2.0, but they still have amazing flavors to choose from like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, German chocolate, and banana bread. The best part about Built Bar is you don't have to make the trade for getting something healthy for something that tastes good because you can have both with Built Bar. And the best part is they're 100% covered in chocolate and soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy and you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Right now, we have a special deal going with Built Bar for our listeners. If you go to BuiltBar.com, you can get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. You can also go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, one word for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. This episode is also brought to you by a Roman. How often do you use excuses like I had a long day of work or I'm not feeling it? It isn't easy to talk about erectile dysfunction, but Roman makes it easy to discuss and treat ED with Roman. You can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for me for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will, Roman will ship you real medicine with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet, and getting started is simple as well. Just go to getroman.com slash locked on and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to talk about, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and get it taken care of. Just go to GetRoman.com slash on to get up to $50 off your first month of ED treatment, a free online visit, and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash on. all caps, one word, for up to 50% off your first month of ED treatment, GetRoman.com slash LockedOn. All right, we talked about the schematic changes for the Chargers offensively, and I think it is all things that we kind of expected and hoped for going into the season. I think we hope it even progresses from there and we can even see a little bit more of some of that stuff. But now let's get into the defense. and I think there's only one place to start here, David, and that is with a blitzing, because one thing... We were kind of promised this year was that Gus Bradley was going to be a little bit more aggressive blitzing, and so far, we just have not seen it, and Anthony Lynn said that he was going to basically make Gus Bradley, you know, try to get off the field a little bit more and kind of take some more chances with this defense, and I mean, so far, I mean, it's been even worse than before, David, and Daniel Popper talks on here about blitzing more on third down, and that is the one spot that the Chargers have been blitzing more this year, but it is still minuscule. I mean, in 2019, they blitzed 25.2% of the time on third down, which ranked 28th in the league. Now in 2020, they're up to 26.9%, a whopping 1.7% difference for 24th in the league. So David, I mean, we were promised something in the blitzing for this Chargers team, something that we've wanted more of just because you can't just drop back in coverage and expect the pass rush brush to get home and for you guys to hold up on the back end. So yes, it is a slight increase, but totally not what we were expecting. The chargers actually blitzing less. So if you want to look up the
1: definition of cherry picking stats, this right here is exactly what that is. And it is in an effort to make the chargers look good in something, which is admirable. But it is not there because the chargers, like you mentioned, are actually rushing less they're blitzing less than they were last year and after the head coach supposedly mandated that they were going to blitz more that hasn't happened they've actually regressed how is that humanly possible if how do you expect to impact this metric if you do not send the house from time to time i mean 24th in the league on third down that's that's crazy you, if you're in third, third and four, a third and five or longer, you should be blitzing every single time. In my opinion, I think you need to manufacture pressure. You need to send corners. You need to send safeties. You need to get creative. It seems like we have not seen that at all. We have to see it more. The Chargers are not getting after the quarterback nearly uh, at a nearly high enough rate. They have to do better. This is crazy to me that this is such a low number they have to do it more if they want to have more success they wonder why they're not getting more than nine sacks Daniel blitz more
0: yeah and of course it's going to leave you more liable on the back end and I think honestly the biggest piece of this and the biggest reason I think they're not blitzing more not to make any excuses for Gus Bradley but I think it has to be Derwin James because Not only is he one of the best blitzing safeties in the NFL, I mean, he's one of the best blitzing players to begin with. And the best part about him is he's so athletic that you can send him at Patrick Mahomes and not feel like Patrick Mahomes is going to get out of the pocket and outrun him. It's just not going to happen. But when you look at the numbers, 2019, you blitz 14.5%, 32nd in the league, and there's plenty of other defensive coordinators that run similar systems to you that are blitzing more than you are. In 2020, you've gone down almost 2% to 12.6%, also 32nd in the league. And the biggest drop-off has been on 2nd down. The Chargers of Blitz only 8% this year. It was 115 half last year. And the, the th- funny thing is about this is not only are you just blitzing less, but you're only really blitzing in the most obvious moments for you to blitz which is on third down, usually obvious passing situations. And I understand not wanting to give up a big play, David, but at the same time, there was one play against the New Orleans Saints where Jared Cook gets behind the defense when the Chargers were only rushing three people. So the Chargers have an excellent blitzing linebacker in Kenneth Murray, even if that hasn't necessarily translated so far. They have some guys that can do it. Desmond King, his rookie year, had like three and a half sacks. He was a really good blitzer then. So I think the Chargers, especially defensively, when you're giving up these giant leads, it's because you're not blitzing when you're up by 17 points. You're not blitzing when you're up by 10 points. You're not blitzing when the other team is doing a two-minute drill because you're afraid to get beat for a chunk play. But guess what, Gus? They're getting the yards either way, right? They have time to get them easier with you know short throws and things like that, but they're going to get it either way. At least make it a little bit tougher on them. At least make it a bad decision for the quarterback because he has pressure in his face. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense, David, especially for a defense that's given up 30-plus points over the last couple of weeks. I mean, you have to switch something up, and I just don't understand what the argument is because even Anthony Wynn is saying we are blitzing, but we're not a blitz zero team, which basically means you're sending the house, as you put it. I mean, that's sending everyone and leaving everybody else in man-to-man coverage, but there's so many other things you can do besides that I mean there's a lot of gray area in between those two things you can just rush one extra person you can rush five people instead of four people so it's the lack of aggressiveness that we have been talking
1: about not just this year but last year as well we have not seen the killer instinct and that in part is because they do not blitz the quarterback more they don't make him uncomfortable they let him sit there and feel like he can make any throw you need to hit him abuse him the Chargers have not done that that has been lacking it is something that needs to be infused in this defense if that means the return of justin jones melvin ingram whatever it is they need to get more physical that means they need to get more hits on the quarterback
0: yeah absolutely i mean the pressure they're getting is just not enough and the defense that they run is designed to really work off of pressure and to make quarterbacks throw up before they want to if they don't you're just sitting back there and giving quarterbacks time to pick apart a zone defense which pretty much every quarterback in the NFL can do and what's Anthony Lynn's response well we've widened our techniques with our ends we're doing a different things with those guys with our defensive line so they can be a little bit more aggressive and I understand that if you have the outside edge on the offensive tackle and you're a little bit wider out it gives you an easier lane to get around him and get to the quarterback but at the same time with how often quarterbacks are just getting the ball off in you know a second and a half or two seconds you're just putting yourself farther away from the quarterback and the bigger thing is it's not working. It hasn't produced the numbers that you have wanted to so far this season. So something has to change. And another thing that has been a big difference from last year to this year has been the dime package for the Chargers. We heard a lot from these coaches specifically about the dime package. Really when talking about how they were going to get all these talented defensive backs on the field. So obviously that defensive backfield has been decimated. You don't have Derwin James now. You don't have Chris Harris Jr. So you're missing some of those guys you were trying to get on the field. But it's a drastic change, David. They went from 18% in 2019 to 0.9% in 2020. And it just doesn't really make a lot of sense to me because you've seen multiple times where these linebackers are getting exposed in coverage. Obviously they're running a lot of nickels, Still, So they're still getting that extra DB on the field, but especially in obvious passing situations, if you're in third and 15 or something like that, why not have six defensive backs on the field? Why not have your best coverage players on the field? So I'm not surprised that the number went down a little bit, especially because of the injuries. I mean, there's only so many of those guys you want out there before, you know, Tavon Campbell was out there, you know, and some guys that are less proven. So I don't really understand this. This is not something I necessarily saw coming into the season.
1: Well, and it's something they utilized so much in the past. I mean, they were in this dime defense so much, like, and yeah, part of that was out of necessity, but there was also a, a part of the defense that was successful. I mean, they did work from time to time. I mean, it got them. It got them to the playoffs. And now, when they got to the playoffs, they got absolutely murdered in that twelve and four season. Twelve and four season. But it was a big reason why they got there. And to think. This year, they have done it a total of three times the entire season. Now, I know you probably feel a lot more comfortable with your linebackers, and that's why you want them on the field more. But like you mentioned, Daniel, they're not exactly having the most success in coverage. So in those typical passing downs, Maybe let's inject a little more dime, too. Maybe that's another one of the changes that we should see is more dime package because, hey, what you've been doing hasn't really been working. So why not try to change it up?
0: Why not, why not try to get into dime just a little bit more? And the one thing that has led to is more a nickel package for the Chargers than in that situation. I mean, that's basically their base defense. All of the time. I mean, they they went from 50 percent of nickel in 2019 to running 80.4 percent in 2020. So you're talking about base formation. That is their base formation. And what nickel is basically, it gets the strong side linebacker off of the field. So in those situations, they used to run it. That was usually because white playing that position. But now they're almost always in nickel and it's Kazeer White and Kenneth Murray as the only linebackers on the field. And both of them have struggled in coverage so far this season. I mean, Kazeer White, I feel bad for him because there's been a couple completions where he's had really good coverage. Kenneth Murray has as well. But their coverage instincts, they're... Ability to keep dropping back and keep gaining depth and things like that. They've had some issues with, so it really doesn't make sense to me that the Chargers have had such a drastic drop in dime coverage. I do think there's situations where it's beneficial. I mean, that's the funny thing. You're dropping eight guys into coverage, but you're having these linebackers in coverage and, you know, he's either Kazir White or, you know, Nazir Adderley that got beat on that play to Jared Cook that I was talking about. A lot of people think it was actually Kazeer White who looked like he just didn't sink enough into that coverage and got beat deep. So why is he out there to begin with on that third and long play that was such a huge play in that game? That was such a big touchdown that really took all of the momentum away and put it on the Saints side. So there's certain things that don't make a lot of sense to me. I'm not totally upset about not having the picket fence defense out there anymore, but there's just certain plays where you want to have as many good coverage defenders on the field as possible especially when you know they're probably not going to run the football just doesn't make a lot of sense to me i mean they have enough talent to get those guys on the field and even tape on campbell is better in coverage than kazeer white or kenneth murray is so it is kind of trial by fire but you don't have great linebackers to try to run that much nickel especially in coverage right now and we've seen them get exposed by a few times and that's not to you know give any relief to rayshon jenkins who's at his fair share of blown coverages as well. I mean, the safeties have been an issue in coverage too. But that is going to do it for today's show. Tomorrow, though, we're getting back to something we do every week because it's Crossover Thursday. So we're going to be talking with the Locked On Jags podcast and get into this weekend's matchup against the mustache maniac, Gardner Minshew and the Jags. So I'm excited to hear I'm excited to get into that tomorrow. But until then, make sure to go follow us on Twitter at Locked LAC and to like the Facebook page Locked On Chargers, as well as subscribing to us wherever you get your podcast from, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Podcasts. That's always the best and easiest way to get the show and also the fastest as well. But I'm sure we'll be doing some more voicemail shows soon. So if you guys want to get on the Locked On Chargers voicemail line, the number is 323 524 7924. And we try to get every Chargers voicemail. Play it on the show. But we'll be back with you guys tomorrow for Crossover Thursday. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.